this Shabbat is Parshat Shkalim. Parshat Shkalim is one of the four special readings that begins prior to the month of Adar. And uh, there are four of them. There's Shkalim. There's Parshat Zachar. That's the Shabbat before Purim. And afterwards, there's Parshat Para. And finally, on or about the month of Nisan, the month in which Pesach falls, there is Parshat HaChodesh. And these readings, these four special readings, are mentioned already in the Talmud, in the Mishnah, in Tractate Megillah. It's very interesting that the Tractate of Megillah is called Tractate Megillah. And it is largely about the holiday of Purim. It includes, additionally, the Mishnayot about the various Torah readings throughout the year. And the most special, unique readings are these four Parshayot. The truth of the matter is that the Megillah itself, Megillat Esther itself, doesn't mention reading the Megillah. It does say that these days are remembered and performed. Hayamim niskarim v'nasim. They are remembered and performed, but it doesn't say how they're remembered. And the rabbinic understanding of that is that they are remembered through the act of reading. And we read the Megillah, and the tractate is called Masechet Megillah. So the tractate, the rabbinic tradition, highlights the reading of the Megillah, and it connects it to the other readings. One might say that the reading of the Megillah, in Tractate Megillah, becomes the primary reading, and the other readings, the Torah readings on the festivals during the week, Shabbat, of course, and the Haftarot, the Torah reading is from the Torah, the Haftarot are all from the prophetic writings, from the Nevi'im, and the Megillah, of course, is neither the Torah nor is, is it Nevi'im, it's called Kituvim. And that complements, one might say, the project that we have that during the year we are reading Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim. The reading of the Megillah, which takes place on Purim, and Parashat Shkalim, the first of these four readings, is a way to link in the Mishnah and the Gemara, to link the holiday of Purim to Pesach. The truth of the matter is, when one reads the Megillah itself, Pesach is conspicuously missing. By that I mean it's not just that the, dec- that the decree of Haman happened in the first month, which is the month of Nisan. The Megillah has the Babylonian names for the months. And that it takes place on the 13th day of the first month. And presumably, if Esther and Mordechai found out about it right away, and Esther commands everybody to fast for three days, the fasting would take place actually on the holiday of Pesach. So you'll be fasting on the holiday of Pesach. But actually, it's deeper than that. It's not so much fasting on the holiday of Pesach. It's that the Megillah doesn't seem to be aware of Pesach altogether. In fact, the holiday of Purim, as described in the Megillah, seems to substitute for, have primacy over, the holiday of Passover. It's interesting to note that the holiday of Purim is the 14th day of the 12th month and the 15th day of the 12th month, two days. The rabbinic understanding is two different days, depending where you live, but it's a two-day holiday. And as such, it's very reminiscent of the fact that the Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice, was the 14th of the first month, and the Chag HaMatzot begins, and the Seder takes place, on the 15th of the first month. Not only that, 
the Megillah emphasizes that it's not just a matter of the day, but rather it's a matter of the month. Hachodesh, says the Megillah, the month. It's the month in which there was a transition from sadness, from mourning, to joy, to happiness. And very reminiscent of what the Torah says about the first month. This month is the first of the months. Or in the statement in, in Dvarim, Deuteronomy, Shamarit Chodesh Aviv. You should observe the Aviv month, which is the month of Passover. Make a sacrifice, bring a Paschal sacrifice to God. So in the Megillah, it sounds like the festival of Purim supersedes, one might say, the festival of Passover. But the rabbinic interpretation is not so. The rabbinic interpretation and the rabbinic move that they make is to place Purim as a precursor as an introduction to the holiday of Passover, as evidenced by the four readings, which essentially move from Purim to Passover. And not only that, the very reading of the Megillah itself takes place at the end of the year. So, for example, in our calendar, in the Hebrew calendar, when there's a leap year, we add a month. We add a second Adar. In which Adar do you read the Megillah? So the Megillah talks about the 12th month. Megillah doesn't speak of a leap year. But the rabbinic understanding, it's a dispute, but the practice we have is always to read the Megillah in the last month, in the second Adar, and one of the reasons given, to adjoin redemption to redemption. To place Purim in the calendar as an introduction to the great redemption, to the festival of Pesach. Now I was thinking that actually, this understanding, this move, which may or may not be the plain reading of the Megillah, when you think about it, when you think about the commandments of the Torah, essentially in the Torah, the Torah's commandments often are either do this in order that you remember the exodus from Egypt. Zechirat Yitziat Mitzrayim is a central idea in the Torah. And the other central idea in terms of the observances, the rituals, is found over and over again in the book of Zvarim and elsewhere to some degree. When you come into the land, you will do X. So the mitzvot in general in the Torah are either to remember the exodus from Egypt or to prepare you for the entrance into the land. What about, what would happen hypothetically if you never left Egypt? You were in Egypt, in exile, and you stayed there, and you never got to the land. That essentially is what the Megillah is about. The Megillah suggests in no place a return to the land, a return to the temple, never suggests it. And therefore, if that were the case, then presumably the commandments you would have, the way the Torah would look, actually, would be a different Torah. It would reflect, the halacha would reflect where you are and where the halacha wants to bring you. And that's the position, actually, that our Mishnah and our Gemara and our tradition counterposes. It doesn't want us to go there. It wants us to read the Megillah in the context of normative Judaism, and normative Judaism and the main ritual we have revolves around the Exodus from Egypt, Passover, 
the Seder, etc. So we are reframing everything in terms of Pesach. And I would add to this and say that what the Megillah is about, and even the way the Ashkenazim read the Megillah, with a very sad tune, it's about survival. We survive, but we know how close we came. Amalek is a, an eternal enemy of God and of the world and of humanity and of the Jews. In the Megillah, there's a real sense of surviving. With Passover, it's different. The focus on Passover is less about the struggle, less about we almost didn't make it. That is certainly there as well. But fundamentally, it's a holiday of redemption. And I believe that our tradition doesn't want and does not want us to make the suffering, the virtual extinction of the Jew, which is the story of the Megillah, at the center of our religion. It is, of course, important to always remember that. It is central. But it can't be at the center. And that, essentially, is what the mission is doing when it takes the holiday of Purim and it adjoins it to Pesach. Pesach is the main holiday. Pesach is about redemption. Pesach is about the language of redemption. Pesach is remembering the redemption and the obligation of, of those who are, have been freed and our responsibilities of the one who has been redeemed. So when taking Purim and adjoining it to Pesach, adjoining it to Pesach, it's saying something about Pesach and about Purim. And I would add something very interesting about the Megillah. The Megillah talks about people that lived in Shushan and people that lived outside Shushan. The rabbinic understanding is to distinguish between two kinds of cities, walled cities and unwalled cities. They read according to the rabbinic understanding on different days. And whether what a city is walled or not depends not about Shushan, but in the Mishnah it depends upon the cities that are walled from the time of Yoshua bin Nun. Now Yoshua bin Nun, of course, is the one who leads us into the land of Israel, who leads us out of exile into the land of Israel. And Yoshua bin Nun, on top of that, is Moses' faithful student. After Moses dies, the Torah says that Yoshua takes over, and he was the leader, and all of Israel listened to Yoshua bin Nun in the last verses of the Torah, and they did as Moses had commanded. So Yoshua bin Nun represents for us the primacy of Moses' teaching, the primacy of the Torah. And this is part and parcel of the rabbinic move to take the holiday of Purim and to adjoin it to Pesach and to remind ourselves that at the center of our Judaism always is redemption. The holiday of Pesach is a holiday of redemption.